let's uh, let's get our Bibles out. Now, uh, better better try and take notice of the time a bit. I think um, this uh, this past year, this year that's just gone by, has been the subject of much uh, much discussion and uh, much commentary. And uh, and for for many obvious obvious reasons, and I'm I'm not going to particularly go on being Captain Obvious here tonight. But um, the uh, I guess the the primary reason that uh, that has been so remarkable about last year is. Uh, has been a, a, a tiny virus which has wreaked havoc among human beings. And uh, I had a quick peek at the, uh, the Johns Hopkins uh, counter site the other night, and there's over 18 million cases worldwide now of COVID disease, um, and over 1.7 million. I think that number's probably even gone up in the last couple of days. Um, and, and many, many, many health professionals believe that there's probably many, many, many more cases, uh, not only cases, but many, many more fatalities that uh, haven't yet been recorded. Um, in, in areas where they've been diagnosed as pneumonia and, and whatnot as well. So um, we've seen um, what can happen when there's a tiny change, you know, to, uh, to our society. And, uh, and we read in Luke about uh, there being distress with perplexity in the last days. And, uh, and I can't think of a more accurate way to describe the last year distress with perplexity you know we've usually got stuff worked out haven't we and uh, and yet uh, the options at the moment are kill your economy or kill your vulnerable or if you do a bad job end up killing both you know and and that's that's kind of the way things have boiled down in uh, in this last year and um, and I guess if you if you wanted to, and if you're a bit of a news tragic, and I tend to sort of pay a bit more attention to the news perhaps than I should sometimes, but uh, if you're a bit of a news tragic, you could uh, you could start to feel pretty down about things. You know, there's a, there's an awful lot of bad news going around that you can uh, that you can sink your teeth into, and you can get all involved in and. Um, and I guess if you were to uh, to ask anyone, you know, in the last little while, g'day, how you going? And they said, oh, never better. Then you'd you'd probably think that it was a probably a fair fair slice of sarcasm involved in that response if someone said to you, never better. But I want to look at things from a slightly different perspective tonight, and uh, um, I want to perhaps start from a from a not very obvious source. Let's turn to uh, Genesis chapter 17. We'll kind of uh, develop a bit of a perspective as we're uh, as we're going along. <clears throat> and uh, I want to read a little bit about a uh, a guy called Abram. Um, and we see here that uh, in in Genesis 17. There's just one of the interactions between Abram and the Lord, and uh, we see here in verse 1 of Genesis 17, And when Abram was 90 years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect, and I will make my covenant between me and thee and will multiply thee exceedingly. Now, uh, I guess I, I just want to talk about Abram, uh, who became Abraham, as we're all aware, um, a, a little while later. Uh, Abraham is an absolute giant of the Old Testament. 
the, uh, the, the Abrahamic uh, line, if you like, is, uh, is what started three of the, the world's major religions now, um, with the exception of atheism. They're a non-profit organisation. Um, but uh, but Abraham, Abraham particularly sort of is responsible for kicking off uh, a whole bunch of stuff. And, uh, and, and, and for, for many, many people the world over, Abraham is probably one of the primary forefathers. You know, he's the guy that things all sort of started with and flowed from. And, and, uh, and I guess I want to, uh, I took a bit of a look at Abraham's life. Abraham, I'll call him Abraham because that's what he ended up being. Um, uh, Abraham's life. And, and if you look at Abraham's life in, in isolation, and, and for a moment, let's just put ourselves in his sandals. Um, uh, and, and I guess if you look at it the way he saw things, he was a guy who sort of lived in the desert um, and uh, uh, at 75, they, we, they, we don't really read much of him before 75, and at 75 the Lord called him to come out of where he was and to go and live somewhere else, which he did. And then there, then sort of, there was a, a few promises that were made during during that that interaction when he was 75, um, and then again at about 99, you know, we see this this interaction here, and again at 100, and and uh, there's the birth of a child, and and uh, a few more promises, and uh, and you can read the story of Abraham yourself, but uh, Abraham has a vision one night, you know, of, of these sort of burning lamps and a few other sort of crazy things, and. Um, and uh, he's, he's told to go and offer his son, uh, the son of promise, and which he does. Uh, and uh, and we see that there's a miraculous deliverance of that son, and uh, and we know that that's a fantastic type of things that were to come later. And then uh, and then we see that he went on and he took another wife and had a few more kids, and and then at 175 he turns up his turns up his toes and curtains. That's it, as far as Abraham's concerned, and. And uh, I, guess, I guess I want to just think about Abraham in isolation for a second. He, as I, as I can sort of read it, you can probably slice and dice it a few different ways, but as I read it, he had about nine interactions with God or with, with the angel of God. And, and they were all sort of in, in, in fits and starts. Like, like I said, nothing before 75. So everyone who's under 75... I'm just looking around this section here, there's quite a few, but maybe out there there's a few who are under 75. But um, everyone who's under 75, if you haven't had your interaction with the Lord yet, don't worry, time's coming, you've still got plenty of time. But, but we see Abraham, nothing before 75, and then 75 there's, there's sort of a couple in quick succession, and then 99 and 100, a few more. Um, and then sort of towards the back end of life, not really anything more there either. But about nine times the Lord had these interactions with Abraham, and uh, made all these promises to him, incredible promises, absolutely mind-blowing promises, um, and um, really the only miracle Abraham saw was, was the birth of Isaac when he was old and, and the deliverance of Isaac when he was sacrificed and, and, you know, a few other sort of, like I said, a few other visions and whatnot along the way. But in 175 years, not terribly much really, 
you know, there's, there's a whole lot of time between drinks, you know, as far as the, um, Abraham's relationship with the Lord. And yet this is the guy of the Old Testament, right? This is the, the absolute pillar, the, the main man of the Old Testament. And he had nine interactions with God in 175 years and saw hardly any of the big promises come to pass and probably didn't even really understand them. Didn't understand, uh, in fact, almost certainly wouldn't have understood or known anything about the Son of God being made flesh and coming to live on this earth. Wouldn't have known anything about Jesus Christ. Wouldn't have known anything about a, a funny flat thing called a Bible. Wouldn't have known anything about a revival meeting. Never went to a revival meeting in his life. Possibly, maybe we see that he, he, he got, got together with Melchizedek for, for a little while and, you know, paid him tithes and, and had a bit of a conversation and whatnot. But as far as we know, he never went to church or anything, you know. Um, and yet this is the guy. This is the main man, Abraham, and, and died at the age of 175 with not really much to show for it, Really? You know, if you take it in purely natural terms, Abraham, you know, when he's, when he's sort of, right, I'm done, Lord, and, and, and when he's about to shuffle off, he could have sort of thought, well, that wasn't much of a, as far as, you know, world-changing events go, that wasn't much of a life, really. And yet, I guess I got to thinking about a few other people down through, down through, uh, the history of God's interaction with mankind. And like I said, Abraham's the yardstick. And, uh, and we're going to turn, uh, let's turn to Hebrews, uh, Hebrews chapter 11. You know, when I said I was looking at the time before, I totally forgot what the time was when I looked at it, so I should probably look at it now. Hebrews chapter 11, as we know, is, uh, is the, uh, the hall of fame of faith, as it's known, um, or that's what we call it. Um, and, uh, and we see that Abraham here gets a, gets a fair old run from verse 8 onwards. Uh, there's, a, there's a whole lot about Abraham, and, and in fact, he probably gets a, as, as big a chunk as anybody, um, maybe more. In fact, I think more, if you, if you sort of break it up, I think he sort of gets a big, bigger chunk than anybody. But like I said, you know, um, on his own, not not sort of terribly much, uh, not not terribly much, got much going. But we're going to read in verse eight. By faith, by faith. Let's try that again. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out not knowing whither he went. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Go down to verse 13. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country and truly if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had the opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country that is in heavenly, wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. But we can see here that the central point is these all died in faith, not having received the promises. 
like I said, this giant of the Old Testament, he died basically seeing not really much to show for his interactions with the Lord, apart from the fact that the Lord had blessed him throughout his life. And he, and he probably, you know, there was probably other interactions that may not, may not necessarily be recorded. I guess um, while, we're, while we're thinking about Abraham, let's, uh, let's move on a little bit, to, little bit more forward in history. Um, and if we just read, uh, let's go to Mark chapter 1. I've got, sorry, I've got lots of scriptures and I'm, I'm going to have to cut down a lot of it because this is not a really a 15-minute talk. Um, Mark chapter 1 and just one little verse here. Mark chapter 1, verse 1, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. I read this verse a little while back and it smashed me between the eyes. I'd never really sort of stopped and thought about it before. The beginning, I mean, if, let's say that you're Mark or Luke or someone like that and you're sitting down and we know that Luke sat down and said, oh, most excellent Theophilus, I'm going to try and tell you the best story that I can about what Jesus did. But how do you start the story of the gospel of Jesus Christ? I reckon this is a pretty good way. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And, and I guess I'm bringing out this particular point because we have in our experience of our interaction with the Lord, we have a complete knowledge of Jesus Christ and all that he did from at least four different viewpoints. And then from all of the revelations that, that Paul received afterwards, we have the benefit of all of those. And what's more, we have the fantastic benefit of what was poured out on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. Let's, uh, let's look there as well. Another fantastic statement that uh, just stands on its own. Hebrews 1, verse 1, God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. Put that on your resume. Maker of worlds. These last days spoken unto us by his Son. A couple of things in this verse, and uh, Brother Dave gave a great presentation a little while ago in Ballarat about, uh, about the last days. The last days kicked off with the start of Jesus Christ's ministry. Hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son. Spoken unto us by his Son. Let's go back over to Hebrews chapter 11. Just a couple of pages over while we're in the neighbourhood. In verse 39, and these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. There's a, there's a, there's a litany of, of massive uh, names that have just been mentioned here in Hebrews chapter 11. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. God having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. I guess I want to put it to you tonight, folks, that there's never been a better time to be a Christian. Perhaps thinking about, uh, you know, you might sort of think, well, it would have been awesome to be in the wilderness and to see the pillar of fire and the pillar of smoke. 
Yeah, but guess what? There was a whole bunch of whinges around you and you had no idea where you were really going and chances are if you were over 20, you weren't going to make it anyway. Right. And, and, and maybe it would have been awesome to see, uh, you know, to see, you know, Elijah call down fire or something. Yeah, but chances are, if you were in the crowd, you probably weren't faithfully following the, following the Lord at that time, you know. So, so pretty much whatever situation, you know, and, and maybe you could say, oh, I wish I lived when Jesus Christ lived. Well, if it was me, I probably would have been one of the crowd baying for Jesus' blood. I hate to say it, but that's probably, as a, as a natural human being, without the Holy Spirit, that's probably where I would have ended up. So that's not great either. Maybe it would have been great to be part of the first church. Well, do you know what? First church didn't have this. They might have got one letter or two letters or maybe they shared a couple of letters between them and we know that there was a little bit of sharing around, but they didn't have it all in one spot. We've got it all in one spot. And in fact, we've got it all in 10 spots. You know, like we've got it all over the place. You can have it on your laptop or you can have scripture of the day popping up on your phone or whatever. We're we're surrounded by the Lord's word. And to top it all off, and and, and I was going to say that the cherry on top, it's it's way more than a cherry. It's like an orchard on top. We've got the Holy Spirit in our lives every day. Every day we walk with the Lord and we've got the Holy Spirit guiding us and leading us and nudging us and correcting us and, and, and prompting us and all of those things which happen while we're walking in the Spirit. Let's turn to First Thessalonians chapter 4. One of those many letters that we've got at easy, easy disposal to us right now. Except that when I'm standing up here I can't find it. Near the back somewhere, isn't it? (laughs) Ah, Here we go. There we go. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. Paul, and possibly every Christian since Jesus Christ walked the earth, has thought that the Lord is going to return in their lifetime. And we see it here, Paul thinks, Paul thinks we which are alive and remain, you know, he says, those of us who are, we're still going to be around, probably, you know, uh, he probably had a bit of an inkling that there might be a different outcome for him by this stage. But we see here that he's, he's still putting himself in the basket of somebody who's going to see the Lord's return. And, uh, and you know what, for the last 2000 years, every single Christian's been wrong about that. But we see some incredible coalescing of prophecy. We see some incredible coalescing of timelines. We see some incredible coalescing of world events. We see some incredible things which seem to point to the fact that the 2,000 years that we, we suspect might be the time frame after Jesus left the earth is very close to being up. And in fact, if he's thinking of making it exactly 2,000 years since he left the earth, then we're probably in the last 0.3 of a percent of that time right now, right? So you're in the 99.7th percentile of Christians who've been expecting the Lord's return. Percentiles don't work quite that way, don't hold you to that, but, but you get the point, right? We're close. 
and we're way closer than any other Christian in, in, in history has ever been to the Lord's return. And this promise here, which is, which we go and say, wherefore comfort one another with these words, the Lord's coming back. And we've got a fairly good idea that it's probably pretty soon. Like I said, you know, if you're thinking about Jesus Christ's ministry, historians sort of argue about this all the time. Apparently, I'm not interested, but apparently Jesus Christ's ministry was sort of sometime between 26 AD and 29 or something like that, right? So if you're going to add 2,000 years to that, it brings you to 2026 or somewhere like that to the start of his ministry. And But the Lord said, unless those days be shortened, should no flesh be saved. So don't go counting 2,000 years. It might be tonight. I, I guess the point I'm trying to make is there's never been a better time to be a Christian. There's never been a better time to be in the Lord. We've never had so many resources at hand to help us walk strongly in the Lord. And not to mention, we've got the Holy Spirit living within us and guiding us. And then you can come to camp as well. How good's that? There was a fair chunk of this year where we didn't think we were ever going to see anyone in, in the flesh again. Oh, sorry, we're from Victoria. That's, that's how it happened in Victoria. I know you guys endured two whole days of lockdown. And... <laughs> My heart goes out to you, really, it does. <laughs> After 121 days, we know a little bit about it. But um, I guess we, there's never been a better time. And, 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 and maybe, maybe in these days when people are walking around and feeling like all the news is bad, maybe we've got some good news to share. You know, and, and I guess Pastor John touched on this last night and, uh, and I, I was really encouraged by that. Um, but uh, one, of, one of the things that, uh, that we can offer people is that in this time of bad news, we've got an awful lot of good news. And we don't have to walk around feeling like everything's bad and everything's hard and everything's terrible. The world might feel like that. But they don't have the incredible, never better situation that we have. And we can offer it to them. And all it takes is a, how you going? All it takes is a, you know, I had this incredible thing on the weekend. All it takes is a, have you heard about that Zoom thing? All, all it takes is, is just starting a conversation with somebody. And if they're one of the Lord's lost sheep, they will hear the Lord's voice and they will want to follow him. But they've got to hear the voice. We've got to open our mouths. And, and there's no point in having all of this at our disposal. There's no point in having the Holy Spirit within if we're just holding on to it. If we're just bunkered down and we're just going, all right, let's just weather this storm. Things are rough in the world. We'll just... No, it just takes a conversation. And it might be the conversation that leads to someone's soul being saved forever. When someone says to you, how are you going? Tell them, never better. And all the people said... 